Welcome to the Source Podcast, episode 113, and it's a bit Christmassy podcast time. My name is Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald. Welcome. G'day, Michael. It's very close to Christmas. It is. Still haven't done my shopping. Not all of it. No, I've done one thing. Yeah, I'm the same. I've done one. It's going to be the mad rush. Yeah, someone was complaining the other day that there was no wrapping paper in a shop. Though I remember, like, I haven't got things to wrap yet. So, yeah, that's a problem. Hopefully, it's restocked. Surely, we'll look at the weekend review. Touch a bit on the year in review through some of our topics. It's our last podcast for the year, our last episode. We're back in January. So a few different things to look at. I just wanted to start with one thing. It's a topic we've discussed a bit over the last 12 months of the Source podcast. But earlier this week, the very well-known Economist magazine published a lengthy piece. And when I say lengthy, I mean lengthy, about 16,000 words. That is pretty long. It is. If you've got a loose end over Christmas, you want to... Yeah. Go through 16,000 words. There, there you go. It's yep. written by veteran US journalist James Bennett and he's had a fair crack at the New York Times in this piece in The Economist. Now, we've mentioned Bennett on this podcast before in relation to his much-publicised departure from The Times three years ago. He was the opinion editor at the media outlet then. Now, his departure followed a decision to publish a column written by a Republican senator and an ally of Donald Trump. That drew a fair bit of criticism at the time. Okay. So Bennett left and he's come back in The Economist and he has written a piece that is scathing of the August Times. Amid his 16,000 words are these, the liberal bias at The New York Times has a has metastasized to a liberal bias from an inclination to favour one side of the national debate to an impulse to shut down debate altogether. Right. So pretty strong words. Yeah. He said that the Times was losing control of its principles as well as the trust of many Americans uh, just as it faces the severe test posed by another Trump candidacy and possible presidency. So he's had some strong words basically saying that the Times doesn't open itself up for debate as it should. Mm-hmm. The guardrails of the paper, the difference between reporting and opinion, this is really important in newspapers, there's a difference between reporting and opinion traditionally. Right. Mm-hmm. He's saying that there's not much of a difference these days. Right, okay. So in this long piece he also gives his side of what happened when he left the Times in 2020. So a lot of that sort of stuff Australian audiences wouldn't probably care about what happened at the Times in 2020. But the main point of this debate is one that does deserve decent consideration in Australia and that is how impartial our, are our news organisations in this changing era of media, and this is what we've discussed on multiple occasions on this podcast. Yeah. So, how many of our news outlets are shutting down debate rather than simply favouring one side? Um, also, how many of them are, I guess, giving slander coverage? Now, the Economist also did a piece last week, and it did some fairly in-depth data journalism on the coverage 
of American politics since Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. And what it did was it took a couple of terms that the Democrats would use and it put them against terms that the Republicans would use. Now, one of the the example they gave was um, the Democrats talking about um, people who arrive from overseas who um, I guess enter illegally into the US that the Democrats had referred to as undocumented arrivals. Oh, uh, yep. Yep. And the Republicans had referred to as illegal aliens. <laughs> okay. Right. So what they did in their piece was go through and try and find out the examples of media using, I guess, Democrat versus Republican language mm. as part of their normal language. Okay. Which is a way you can look at this debate. Definitely a way. What they found was there was, in the economist's words, a left-leaning move among many news outlets since the Trump presidency. But they also cautioned to say, well, you know, that's just a small look at it. It doesn't say everything. It's a small look. Yep. So the issue here, of course, is that media outlets, the ABC aside, technically – have long taken views on certain topics. Now, my old paper, The Courier Mail, been around a long, long time, it's, it's taken views on subjects. It's long favoured Queensland. It's a champion of small and medium business, always yes, has been, yeah. and it's a preference for small government over big government. Right. So when The Courier has been giving its view on different things in Queensland, there's been a lens which it's had fairly consistent uh, views through. Now... The arguments about partisan coverage continue to grow in the eyes of some critics. Uh, Only this week an ABC Mornings host in Sydney um, was let go early because, uh, well, in the reporting, and I don't know what happened at the ABC, but um, the Australian certainly reporting that she'd posted some very uh, pro-Palestinian social media content, very pro. did see that. And so Mm. if you're the ABC and you, you know, by your own charter need to be impartial, mm. that can cause an of issue. Of course, of course. So this thing continues to happen. But here's the problem, I believe. It's not going to get any better. We're going to keep having these discussions. Now, the reason is, and we've discussed this before, the media landscape has changed and changed considerably. So it used to be that advertising for some outlets would just take up so much revenue, it walked in the door, you didn't have to worry about it. You weren't reliant on your readers as much as you were about the ads coming through, whether you're TV, radio, uh, print. Since then though, what's happened is that the internet has really changed the landscape massively. So the ads have fallen and the reliance on income from readers has surged. Mm-hmm. So news outlets are more beholden to what they can get financially out of their readers. Yeah, yeah. That means they've got to work out really much more than they ever had to what their readers or viewers or listeners want, okay? So liken it to, as I've said before in this podcast, traditionally if media outlets were restaurants, they probably had a lot of the same uh, uh, cuisine. Yep. Now we're seeing a different setup. If you want one sort of uh, food, you go to that restaurant. Other food, you go there. They, they've d- 
they've specialised, if you like, to try to get readers engaged and really trying to get those readers engaged. So it's the old thing with first taught as young journos, follow the money. It's the answer to most of your questions. Yep. On this occasion, it's the answer to that question. What it means in terms of coverage, outcomes, well, let's wait and see on that. It's an important year coming up in Queensland uh, with local government elections and state elections. It's a US election year. It's a really interesting year. We'll have lots of chats about this in the next 12 months, but none of it surprises me. The, uh, I guess the way James Bennett puts it to the New York Times is a fair whack. It's a big whack. But again, you'll get people who agree wholeheartedly, people who disagree. So, Jordan, what do you think about that whole debate, which we've had a few times? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic and it's one of those issues that I think all publishers are grappling with. Um, you know, if you lean to one side of the debate, sorry, a lean to one side uh, of the debate is expected, but there's a critical tipping point where, you know, you lean so much um, and you can smother the meaningful discourse that can happen in debate. So if you follow the money, it does often reveal those motivations, particularly in these challenging times for the news outlets. So, you know, in that scramble to stay afloat, you know, the temptations there to, to pander to the, a particular leadership or, or a readership, for example, yeah. um, you know, and, and secure the subscriptions, that, um, that temptation is sometimes overwhelming. Yeah. But... That does lead to what James spoke about a fair bit, um, which is that echo chamber where, you know, challenging uh, uh, diverse perspectives is scarce. Yep. Uh, I think it's vital for the media to challenge its readers and, you know, offer that full menu of ideas, which is to sort of pull off your restaurant analogy there and not just serve up that dish of the day, which they might prefer um, it's a bit of a gamble in the high stakes of earning subscriptions, but the alternative, which is that media landscape without, you know, some robust debate and critical thinking is, is I think, far more concerning. Uh, I think mm. the media outlets need to strike a pretty good balance, maintain the integrity and commitment to a, a broad discourse. And this approach might not be, and as we've seen, isn't the easiest path that immediate profit, but... It is important for a healthy democracy and an informed society. So, you know, earning subscriptions is pretty critical, but preserving a platform uh, for a variety of choices, uh, voices in, is imperative. Yeah, interested to have see where this debate is in, say, three, four, five years' time. Yeah, that yeah. could be very interesting on, on that front. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, a spicy end to the year in terms of that debate in the US. Now, it's been 12 months since we first spoke on this podcast about chat GPT, which has just gone by very quickly. It has gone quick. It was December last year we were talking about it and just the way it was sort of changing our normal expectations about using AI at our fingertips. So, 12 months down the track, our last sourced for the year you've had a bit of a look at chat gpt where it's gone for the year and ai in general because you've been using chat gpt in particular a little bit yep and what have you found Let, let's let's have a look at that timeline anyway where it's where it's gone over 12 months yeah well it did celebrate its first and a birthday last month we did start talking about it in december 
But um, I want to take you back to the start, which is that November 2022, which was the launch, the public launch. And obviously it gained pretty quick global interest yeah. because of its ability to quickly discuss these diverse topics um, very quickly, almost instantly. Uh, and the rest of 2022 was dedicated to sort of fine-tuning that uh, based on the feedback of the public. Um, but it was yeah, pretty it was. clear from the get-go that the uh, AI was going to explode uh, into 2023. So we get to January this year. And chat GPT, you know, starting to tease the new professional version of the bot with uh, some enhanced features, uh, which would be available to people who would pay for the subscription. Yep. By February, the professional version was out and it was called Chat GPT Plus. And then Microsoft also integrated the, uh, the chat bot into its Bing search provider. Yep. So it offered a new AI-driven search. And, uh, yeah, look, things at this point seemed like uh, AI was moving very quickly and that was exactly right. In March, ChatGPT4 was released, which was a more powerful version of the previous model. A big addition was the paid beta mode, which could search the internet in real time and that was one of the biggest additions. That was a big one because ChatGPT to start with was way behind. It was. It was built on an old system or an older a version of the internet which is sort of two years old. Yeah, so it wasn't up to date, yeah, which is a real flaw. It but couldn't it, get real-time information. Yeah, then exactly it right. moved, moved up with that new launch. Yeah, ChatGPT4 also has some plugins, so you can do things like organise an overseas trip, you'd book all your flights and all that sort of stuff. So it's yeah. pretty interesting. But this did mark another time where some ethical issues came. Uh, there was over 1,100 signatories, including some notable tech figures, uh, who called for a pause in its development. It did. It did because it was uh, sparking some global discussions on ethics. The so, co- some of those signatories were on the wrong side of the financial uh, situation too. Yes, of course. But th- the general concern was that AI was being developed faster than we could keep up with it. Yep. Despite the challenges, ChatGBT then expanded to over 40 countries by May. Yep. I mean, this explosion is extraordinary. Uh, and then it also in- included a, a mobile version um, which increased the valuation of OpenAI significantly. So <coughs> in the next two months, ChatGPT would improve its web browsing through Bing and launch on Android. That Android was significant too because it started to introduce some of the education initiatives and sparked some interest, particularly here in Australia. Yes, did. Um, who was anticipating some educational application for the program. Um Anyway, we moved through to August and it's a wonder how anyone at AI even slept this year. Um, the company's focus on classroom integration and business applications delivered ChatGPT Enterprise, yes. a newer version, which would be offered in Australian classrooms and businesses. September was a big moment. They, um, the ability to browse the internet came permanently because it came in March and it was removed and it came back in September permanently. And you were using that at the time, weren't you? Yeah, Yeah. I gave that a go. That's the first time I thought I'll I'll check out this paid version. It's pretty good. The next two months were steady in the lead up to its first birthday, which was just November. And then it turned one and uh, it signified a pretty massive transformation for what began as a a research project to now was probably a global innovation for technology. And then this month, ChatGPT reopened the Plus subscriptions and inked a few new partnerships with news content organisations, which will be pretty important for its commercial expansion. 
So it sort of moved along. Mm. We had the initial real shock last year when we saw what it was doing, what it was capable of in December and it's, it's moved yeah. along. It's been overtaken a little bit in the last uh, six weeks by debate over control of open AI, the um, founder of ChatGPT, just who's got control of that. So the, 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 I just think that – and there's within that – debate there was some speculation of some concerns of people within open AI or some whistleblowers about just how advanced the technology mm. was getting. Yeah. Which I think is going to be the most interesting thing next year. Yeah, yeah. How powerful is this? What is it doing? We've seen all year regulators trying to keep up with this, mm-hmm. even schools, education providers trying to say how are we going to deal with this in classrooms. I think they feel that they've settled on that. But having said that, I mean, there was a big debate this year on how should we handle mobile phones in classrooms. Yeah. So it's hardly advanced when it comes to the regulator being so far behind. So I'm just interested to see what happens with it next year. I think we've sort of had a sort of period where people are getting their heads around it, but let's see if there's any big advances that Mm. really come next year. Yeah, definitely. There will be some big things next year. I reckon the biggest change will just be how integrated it becomes in daily life. Yep. At the moment, we go on to ChatGPT. It's a few things here yeah, and there. Yeah, you go there. It will really start to integrate, I reckon, from next year. Yeah, so now you have to go to use it, whereas mm. next year it may just be... It'll be in your tips. pocket, I promise yep. you. Yep, worth watching. Another one worth watching next year and it's worth touching on is where things stand with the ongoing speculation about whether Google and Meta will sign new deals with Australian publishers... So as we've discussed before multiple times on Source, these deals reflect the principle that Google and Meta benefit from news stories produced by Australian publishers, therefore they should pay them something. The current deals are rumoured to be worth about $200 million in Australia. That is big money for struggling publishers. But the deals are up next year. So a story in the Financial Review this week suggested the federal government will use legislation that it already has to force the tech giants to negotiate with the publishers for new deals. Yeah. Now the powers of government has include the ability to force negotiations through through the appointment of a mediator. Yep. So the story this week and the ongoing coverage has been seen as a push by the government to let the tech companies know that it means business, aided and abetted by the media companies mm-hmm. that do want to get a result. But what will happen next? And that's the question. Google is expected to cut a deal based on the fact it's done the same in Canada after a standoff over there, which is a similar debate to here. But Meta hasn't moved a muscle in Canada. So Meta cut off all links to news stories on Facebook in Canada in August and we discussed that. And there seems a general acceptance that that decision hasn't impacted Facebook's traffic at all. No, that's what I've said at least. So bad outcome, that one for the news outlets. Now, the head of public policy for Meta in Canada has said, and I quote, news outlets choose to use our free services because it helps with their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> it, is, it is actually, it's difficult. Yeah. So this is a battle of global big tech versus Australian publishers. Now, the federal government, as it's done forever, will side with the Australian media outlets. Mm-hmm. And no surprises there. They don't want to make the Australian media outlets unhappy. But how much power do they really have in this one? There's an increasing expectation that Meta will tell the Australian publishers to go away 
like it has in Canada. And that's understandable because it's a type of behaviour that Australian publishers displayed for so long when they had the upper hand. They, they really did. Yeah. They, when Australian publishers and publishers across the world in, let's say, traditional media, legacy media, when that ruled, they weren't exactly charitable to other views. It's changed completely. I expect Google will cut a deal based on – this is a guess only. Who knows? I don't expect Meta will. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Google will, will do that and there's a pretty good indication based on the Canada one. But if Meta's unfazed by not having news on there – why would they? And we know anecdotally from talking to publishers that when Facebook has changed its uh, algorithm in previous years to put up friends' posts above mm. media ones, it has hurt the media companies. It's hurt them. They yeah. know there's a drop in traffic straight away. So let's see what happens. It'll be one of the themes of early next year, I think. Now, Google Trends. This has been an interesting week. We tried to look at these all year. Last episode, we looked at the big ones and who's searching what in 2023. Yes. This is just a quick look at what's happened in the week gone so far. Now, the big winner here, more than double anything else, and you think, hey, well, it, yeah, UFC. So the UFC, the uh, fighting combat, 200,000-plus searches on Sunday in Australia. So UFC, massive. And this is the thing, it just gets such big play – and again, Australian sports are competing in this, you know, really changed sporting landscape. Right. But UFC, 200,000 plus for a big event that was wow. Sunday Australian time, Saturday US time. Yeah, I'm looking at the card here. I can see why it's generated a fair bit of interest. But that is a, that's an enormous amount of interest on Google. Just for a, all the cards are pretty good, but this is pretty interesting. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's the big one this week in Australian search. Um, more than double or about double the next one, which was the Indian Premier League cricket auction on Tuesday. Oh, I heard a bit about that. Four Australians got contracts didn't, over a million didn't dollars. Cummins go for just over three and a half. Yeah, and uh, Mitchell Stark, four point something. Wow. Spencer Johnson, the Brisbane Heat fast bowler, 1.7 million, I think, and Travis Isn't that Head, crazy? 1.2. Steve Smith, zero. Really? Zero for Steve Smith. So It's like it, the live golf where they're just picking up players. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's crazy. But the second most searched topic in Australia on Google this week. Wow. Alongside, and we've said this before, Matthew Perry, 100,000 plus searches on Saturday. Yes. The late actor when news came out about the cause of death. Yes, saw that. Really yeah, got people I searching. to be in there, yeah. And then coming in fourth is all the rain in far north Queensland. Yep. But fourth. Cairns Airport was a big search term. Um, imagine people trying to travel to Cairns, photos of Cairns Airport with some planes in flood water. Yep. There, so, uh, and then next, uh, reliable English soccer, Chelsea versus Newcastle on Wednesday, getting right. some decent searches. And that, that's there every week. So that sort of finishes off the year of, of Google search in probably a way that gives a wider view to how the year really panned out there. True. Celebrity deaths, uh, sport, they work very well. Now, we're going to be off and back on January 12, which is a Friday if I can count properly. Yeah, no. Um, how's Christmas looking for you? Uh, Christmas is a, a trip down the coast and a trip back to Brisbane for a, a day of feast. Yes. Um, between the two families. Um, but after that, it'll just be a lot of... 
Not a lot. <laughs> Taking it easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just digesting food, I reckon. What about you? Yeah, same. Great time of year. Very much enjoy it. Recharge the batteries. Of course. And go again for 2024. Merry Christmas to yes, our Merry source. Merry Christmas. Listeners, thanks for all your feedback in 2023. We look forward to doing it again. 